Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good day. I'm Nancy Halpern and I'm here with my wonderful, delightful colleague, Julian Roberts over in the UK. Good afternoon to you, Julian. Good afternoon. Good morning to you, Nancy. Good to see you again. Good to see you. So we are continue marching down our uncharted path about hybrid working. And today we're going to speak about how leaders can create an effective hybrid culture within their organization. No, no leader has ever had to do this before. So here you are, new minted or old minted leader, Columbus or whatever you're leading. What do you think, Julian, the first steps are in a leader's uh, or a leader's role in creating uh, an effective hybrid culture? Well, it is a, it is a tricky one, as I keep saying. <laughs> it really is. It is a navigating uh, the unknown, and I always go back to for me. It's and I said this before we came on about how leaders should lead, and there's an element of you have to lead and make some stake in the ground and some sense of where you want to go, uh, and I think that's really important. And I think it's. And it is, but it, but it is also important to engage uh, your employees. And I know we had the discussion, the challenge on large organisation that can be, but there's an aspect of engagement is really important. So I would always say that you know, get back to what you you are as a business. What's your purpose? What's your mission? And then how does that fit? How does hybrid working fit within that sort of sort of a scope? Really, that's a good place to start. Where I would start. Well, you know, I'm in a very challenging mood today. <laughs> you always are when you're hosting. Is that what it is? You should never let me host. It's the there's power. a correlation. I think there is a positive or negative, depending on your view, or direct correlation. Um, I'm not sure an organization's purpose and values easily fit with what they have to design because part of hybrid is a huge design experiment. And I think that one thing that is going to happen, no matter how effectively you lead, is that as a leader, you're going to make some people unhappy in this. And this is, every leader uh, likes being popular, even if they say they don't care. That's not true. We all do care about being liked and being respected. And you know, there are people you're going to annoy on this. And I don't see how you can prevent that. So one of the things that I keep returning to is being open in your communication that this is in some ways an iterative process. We are trying this versus, you know, you have to have some policies, but I think it's important as a leader to show a little humility on this one that you and your team or your organization you don't necessarily have the right answer for this because there's no playbook for it. So I hope that some leaders can get over themselves. I mean, I get concerned 
uh, when I hear big organizations, like I'll use an example here for the States, Jamie Dimon, who's CEO of Chase, and Goldman Sachs, not known traditionally as the most empathetic and warm of cultures, are just throwing to the ground this notion of empathetic leadership and saying their expectation is everyone's coming back to the office full time. So in a situation like that, would you think if that fits indeed with the values of the organization, is that creating an effective culture or certainly doesn't sound hybrid, but it fits with their values? It's not just about fitting with our values. It's it's where you want to go and how you're going to work. And for me, it, the, the reason why I go about the purpose is to um, make sure whatever role, whatever, how we do that role is aligned to that. And and it makes those in those those difficult conversations where certain roles have to be in the office because of the nature of what they do. And that's important as well. And we need an element of that building towards our our purpose. I, I, I guess the proof in the pudding in some sense of those organizations where they say, this is what we're doing, like it or lump it, um, they are putting themselves at risk. And, and there's a risk of, you know, talent flights or flight risk going on in terms of people going off and because of they've been empowered, they've realized a new way of working and it's worked. And I think that's the, 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 the considerations they need to think about. Um, and, I, and I agree with you. I think leadership this time and it's been sort of been quite um uh, sort of been spoken of before really where people need to almost be comfortable saying i don't know as well um i.e this is what we're doing we think this fits with where we're going as a business we think this fits with how your role is we think this is how how it's panning out um but we're not entirely sure we will make some mistakes along the way just like people did last year and i think it's being in that place and those organizations that are not empathetic i mean crumbs wake up to you know where organizations are going now uh, you will lose talent period you will lose talent in the long term you won't have an organization that will start to thrive or be successful so there will be those organizations that will just say this is what we're doing just get over it and get on with it and that's fine and, and there'll be a short term and it'll work but i think people will start to question because to question that really um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not sure. I mean, although logically I would think so too, it depends how well you're compensated and it depends if that suits your lifestyle. So just like an organization has a purpose, individuals' lives have a rhythm and there might be people in big cities who are dying to get out of their apartments and dying back at, get back to the office. There was an interesting related story over the weekend in the paper about how construction companies cannot keep up with demand for new homes in what we call the exurbs, because people are so eager to leave cities because they've realized they don't have to live in a city to work. So if you are indeed seeing a population shift, um, a lengthy commute from cities with people's expectations that they can work from home, at least some part of the week, if not a bulk of the week. I think leaders may be very surprised at the amount of pushback they get from their people. Mm. Um, I ran a poll, I know you participated in it, as did many others, on who should have the loudest voice when it comes to shaping hybrid culture. And 64% of respondents said employee opinion. Employee opinion. 64%. They should have the loudest voice. So I spoke to a couple of... CEOs I know 
um, over the last few days, like two. All right. So I just want to be honest. And they were like a little scared about that because they were like, as a leader, I don't want, I want people to feel empowered, but that doesn't mean I want them running the organization. And so how do leaders, and sorry, this, I know I was telling you the story beforehand, but I thought it was worth repeating. This reminds me of when I was getting married and we were planning the wedding and my former husband and I sat down with my father and stepmother to talk about the wedding. And Larry suggested that we ask them their opinion. So they would feel involved and inclusive and they had a voice. And I said, yeah, but what if we don't want to do what they suggest? No, that's okay. It's the asking that matters. Well, foolishly, I went along with this. And of course, they had these ideas that we didn't like at all. And so we we told them pretty much flat. We were not smart enough to say, that's really interesting. Let's think, you know, we'd really like to think about it. It's a good idea. No, big mouth here said right away. No, but that's not what we want to do. And so their opinion predictably was, why did you ask us then? And so I get a little worried when I hear about leaders having doing all these surveys of what people want, if they're not going to meet it even halfway. I also get a little concerned if they're handing this off to HR because um, the group that got the lowest poll result of who should have the loudest voice in determining it was HR, 2%, 2%. I know, respondents thought HR can handle this, all right? So, you know, that may be even higher than the ratings of US Congress. So that's not good either. So leaders don't think this is an HR thing. So I feel like I threw a lot of spaghetti on the wall, Julian. Was there anything there that stuck with you? You you did, Uh, all I'd say, I think, Organizing and managing weddings is far more difficult than organizations. Uh, <laughs> I really think it is. Yeah, who you're going to invite, who you're not going to invite, and who you're going to drop, and all that type of thing. And because you're inviting so and so, got to have all this. Yes, very complicated. Um, highly political. Highly political. Yes, actually, I think you could do a masterclass on on that. Actually, definitely could help people. Um, yeah, the, the, the difficult one is about engaging people. And, and like you said there, where you engaged your uh, in-laws about their contribution and then very quickly went, no. I don't <laughs> like that contribution. That. But I guess it goes back to, I always say to a leader, you know, why are you doing it? Are you genuinely wanting to know something? That's the that's the, always the premise of anything is, is the intent, isn't it? And so I've always said to a leader, if you genuinely want to know something, A, it'll come across that way and they'll feel that. And secondly, you will respond accordingly. Doesn't mean you take everybody's opinion. You take a collective of that. And, and how you do surveys, and obviously very clever people out there, they can do it in a way that can create thought themes and ways of assessing things. But the important premise of that is making sure that you are genuine in your intent. And I always say that anything, if you're going to ask for feedback or contribution, you know, take it. Just like when you do brainstorming ideas, you know, any idea goes, well, let's throw it out there and then let's build upon it. You know, when we do those team building sessions and trying to sort of develop teams and develop sort of ways forward and solutions, exactly the same principles apply. It doesn't mean you're going to reject everybody. It just means you're going to actually, those ideas may come in and start to shape it. Um, So, Yeah, but I have to jump in here. Don't you think there are some leaders and companies who feel they just have to ask that they will appear heartless if they don't survey their population? But at the end of the day, they're like, we hit pause in this lockdown. 
We yeah, didn't. but I, I, I just sorry, I'm inter- I'm interrupt. I'm interrupting you. Please. To me, it's not about format formalizing a survey. For me, it's about listening to people, and that can be done informally as well as formally. Yes, there's the surveys. You can you can get a. I used to go around my organization in previous roles, and you get a, a sense of the temperature in the room, the temperature in people's minds by having conversations with people. Uh, and whether those people in your team or in other teams, you don't have to send out a survey or a, or an email, and you can just go around and get you can you can get a feel from your questions, and that's all. That's why empathetic leader is really good because then you start to focus on the people, you get down with the people, you chat with people, you you're interested, engage, and I think more leaders need to sort of get amongst people. As I know it's virtual at the moment, but there's ways of doing it still, um, and just get to understand what is going on what are people saying how are people feeling and i think that's one way of surveying it not in a it's not in a binary way as a survey monkey type of thing but it's in a way of i'm getting some sense of where people are at and i've i've had some lead, lead a recent md said that to me they were they were having conversations with people so they were starting to shape a plan of what they were going to do and then they just had conversations with people and start to sort of almost test it a little bit with people what they were doing and see the reaction and that started to bring and that also started to create a little bit of a um a thing start to flow in the organization as well people start to hear things and start to hear what, what, what the ideas were and that started to shape a way of going forward so that was quite helpful and that was a wasn't a huge organization but um it was a, a reasonable size one and that's one way of uh, ascertaining some feedback without doing it formally, I guess. Well, if you're a large organization, like let's say you're a thousand employees, 5,000 upwards, right? You're not going to be able, empathetic leadership and that kind of culture looks very different. And I read this great quote. I don't remember whose it was, or I would give attribution about no one wants to go back to what is basically an email factory, meaning the office. And I think this whole period has brought that sort of um, intellectual analogy of it being a factory when you're in an office, a factory with hours, regular hours, expected hours, places you go to, different stations. And so I just wonder if leaders, and this is sort of a slightly different take on it, do leaders see this as a time to be creative. Um, Like I did hear a couple of companies announcing that the work from home days cannot be Monday or Friday. So a sort of punitive approach. You can't have those because otherwise you have fallow, you know, uh, the office space. But are they thinking about incentivizing behavior? For Mm -hmm. example, I thought, what if you said to people, we have options in our hybrid model. Option one, you get to work from home um, two days a week. And if you're coming into the office three days, you know, those three days have to be Tuesday through Thursday. If you only want to come to the office two days a week, we're cool with that. But those two days have to be Monday and Friday. So you get to choose. Do you want to be in the office two days a week or three days a week? Here are those options. You know, would you then incentivize people? Well, I only want to come in two days a week, so I'm willing to give up the concept of a long weekend to only have to do that when 
the commute is less. So I wonder if leaders are thinking about incentivizing versus, oh my God, we're over time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, perhaps I was rambling on, but this is a complicated issue. And, you mm. know, we have two really, I think, in some ways, light and dark perspectives on this. So I think since the force of sources of darkness so often win for a while, we'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, Julian. So I guess you should have the final word since I just, you know, nattered on. No, that's no, okay. I think we we can we can finish there. I think we're keeping with our fifteen minutes. Uh, good to speak to you again. And and I think yes, um, if leaders just remain. I guess more open. I think creative, and also be willing to um, not have all the answers. Let's hope so. I'll see you next week, and maybe we'll solve it then. <laughs> yes. Bye, bye Julian. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Bye then. <laughs>